0: My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flack. Episode 186, televisions. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is July 31st, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about televisions, and specifically the televisions that I have owned uh, during my lifetime. Now, I have a list of every television that I've owned during my lifetime stored right here on my Commodore 64, but uh, ironically, I don't have a monitor slash TV hooked up to it. So while I run the cables and hook this up, that will give us a few minutes to chat during this week's Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Um, right off the bat, I want to say thanks to all the great messages and feedback I got, uh, mostly through email, some through uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I know that I got messages from Rex, uh, from Stephen Burt, from uh, Eric Nelson, from uh, Pixel Gaiden. Uh, Gaiden. I'm always going to say that wrong. Um... John and Aaron from the Amigos, both dropped me lines. Dave Zill, uh, Lucien Desarr, and many, many others. So thank you, guys. Um, as I've said many times without feedback... A podcast is really just a guy sitting in his room <laughs> talking into his own laptop. So uh, the feedback for me makes it real. It's like a real show. I'm like a real boy. And so, uh, you know, it, it just uh, it means so much more when I get feedback. And um, I said something on the last episode of You Don't Know Flack that um, I wanted to changed slightly, and I didn't realize this was the truth until after I had published the last episode of You Don't Know Flack. But on the last episode, I said that I had been going through maybe some depression or something. Uh, You know, I I don't want to overplay it. I don't want to downplay it. But I think like a lot of people during COVID and working from home and and being stuck indoors and, and social distancing and all this crazy stuff that we've been doing over the last three or four months. Uh, That I felt like doing the podcast was something almost like a a gift to everyone else, you know, not a gift (laughs) oversells it. But, you know, what I'm saying like it's something that I could give to you all. Um, But I think what I realized after uploading the last episode is that it is something for you all, but it's also something for me. It is a place for me to talk. It is just as much as it's a distraction for you all to listen for uh, an hour or so. It's that same distraction for me when I'm working on the show, putting things together. And so uh, I think it is cathartic for me, and I hope that it is a enjoyable distraction for you. So I kind of made it sound like I think on the last episode that I'm doing this for other people. And and in a way, I am. But I realized after posting the last episode that I'm also doing it for myself. So um, I have decided on a scheduling time, and I wasn't sure, I don't think, when I published the last one, but I'm going to start uploading episodes and scheduling to go live Thursday night at midnight. So uh, that way, those of you that listen to podcasts Friday during the day, maybe during your workday or during your commute, you can check your podcatcher before you go to work Friday morning, and you'll have a new episode waiting for you. Uh, If you, a lot of people I know listen to podcasts over the weekend, so, uh, you know, you'll have a new episode for the weekend. So anyway, Thursday night, I'm going to be alternating, uh, every other Thursday, there will be a, you don't know flat, and then there will be a Sprite castle. So if you only enjoy one or the other, you can check com or iTunes. There are separate feeds for those, or there is a combined feed where you will get all my shows in one single feed. So either way, however you want to do it. Uh, but, I think that will be the uh, release schedule and then, when I do other shows like Multiple Sadness or this other show that i 'm i 'm tentatively working on, uh, those will go out at different times and and I won 't interrupt this schedule so every Friday morning, you should have either a new episode of you don 't Know Flack or Sprite Castle, depending on uh, what week it is uh, you know. <laughs> it's funny that over the past year or so with all this stuff going on in my life with moving and and moving rooms around and stuff like that that i felt like i haven't had time and and since march uh i've had nothing but time like we have literally been sitting at home you know for four months now golly the time is uh in some ways it's going very quickly and in other ways it seems like it's dragging uh just dragging on forever um We have been working – I've been working at home full-time since uh, the middle of March. So uh, I've gone into work on occasion uh, to meet another coworker for lunch sometimes or just to go in and check on servers or or, uh, make sure things are online. But for the most part, I've been working from home, and we have tentatively – I'm hearing things through the grapevine that we may be working from home through the end of the calendar year – not going back until 2021. I've heard rumors that when we do go back, we'll be required to wear a mask at work. I know some of my friends who are continue to work through uh, this time that are either essential or, you know, they're part of a manufacturing process that has to do with transportation or different things like that um, that are going to work are wearing a mask and you know some of those people one of those uh, uh, my my buddy Sean from Throwback Reviews you all know Sean uh, goes to work every day and wears a mask and his job is much more physical than my job is which mostly is uh, involves sitting behind a, a computer keyboard, you know, but, uh, so I think about how uncomfortable that's going to be for me. And it really makes me feel for those other people. And, and maybe some of you guys who are, um, you know, continuing to go into work and having to wear a mask and stuff. So I'm kind of getting used to wearing the mask. I don't know. You know, uh, if you go back to the, you don't know, flat episode about ninjas, uh, I feel like, you know, I, when, when my wife, was asking um, what kind of mask I wanted, you know, if I wanted just a surgical mask. I was like, no, I want a black cloth mask that covers as much of my face as possible because it feels very ninja-like to me, and I kind of enjoy it. I don't enjoy um, breathing through it. I don't enjoy the, 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 um, the sensation you get from wearing a mask for a long period of time, but I like the look of it, you know, and I just read an article that said apparently it's screwing up uh, – facial recognition system so i enjoy that part of it <laughs> uh, but yeah i like it. i like that ninja um uh kind of look so i'm trying to uh, obviously when we go out you know we are mask wearers um I, i'm kind of a uh, uh i'm influenced by by what's going on around me like if i go to a place where people aren't wearing masks i don't Necessarily want to wear one, but if I if it's somewhere where I'm not comfortable doing that, I will. But anyway, I don't want to talk about COVID. I, gosh, I talk about COVID every day. Um, but uh, I, so I am enjoying the uh, um, the uh, ninja style look <laughs> that that giant black mask uh, gives me. Now I have um, uh, one of the things I was going to talk about. I talked about this a little bit last week about uh, my little retro corner that I had set up, but uh, I've kind of been running everything through its paces. You know, I have a mist, uh, which is the older version, the, the predecessor, I guess, of the mister. And I think probably 95% of the time I use it as an Amiga. Um, I do occasionally switch out cores, but not very often. Mostly that's what I use it for is uh, the mini uh Amiga core. So I've got that set up and more or less dedicated to the Amiga. And then uh, one of my listeners, Dave Zill, recommended the uh, BMC64 to me. Uh, The BM stands for bare metal. And this is a build of Vice, the uh, popular Commodore emulator, that has been uh, re-engineered to run on top of a Raspberry Pi without... An operating system layer, so you don't have to install Raspbian or any uh, form of Linux. You just download this image of uh, of a special image of Vice and blow it right onto the Raspberry Pi. So when you turn the Pi on, the boot time is like I don't know three seconds. It's super fast. You turn it on, and then you're sitting there at a Commodore 64 screen. So it's it's really nice, and because there's no software or operating system layer for it to go through it's really good at handling i guess scrolling and and um, different refresh rates and things like that so I've kind of been uh running it through the paces and I really like it and you know I know that um I think on the last episode of Sprite Castle, i, I kind of ranted a little bit about wanting that uh, the c sixty four release and all that I don't want to say that uh that they've missed the window but it would have to be pretty uh, convenient and pretty—I uh, don't know—to make me want to switch off of this uh, BMC sixty-four. It's just so convenient, uh, you know, because of Raspberry Pi. I'm running it off of a three B, I guess, and uh, which has four USB ports. So I've got a USB controller plugged in. I've got uh, a USB stick with uh, all of the Game Base 64, like the entire Game Base Commodore collection, plus some other collections that I've added on there. Um, it's a 64 gig stick, and it's not even half full. So, um, you know, it's it's really fast and convenient. The only thing it doesn't give me is that authentic, uh, you know, nostalgic feel of a real Commodore 64 keyboard. But other than that. It's pretty good so uh you know i feel like i will buy the c64 when it comes out but um i feel like i want to buy it because i want to own it but it could be one of those things that i buy that ends up going on a shelf that i don't use that often or maybe <laughs> doesn't even get open so um i also uh drug out the pie ants which was a project that I set up a long time ago. I didn't I didn't build the project. I just, um, uh, someone else set up this. Uh, I think it was, oh man, I don't even want to say because I'll get the name wrong. But um, you can look on uh, GitHub and there's a project called Py Ants. That's P-Y, like Python, A-N, Ants. And basically what it is is an antsy viewer. It's designed to turn your monitor uh, in portrait mode. So you turn your, your monitor... Uh, vertically, and uh, it runs off a Raspberry Pi, and it displays ANSI artwork, like from old BBSs, but it does it in a, you can control the speed, so it looks like it simulates that you're viewing them through a modem speed, like you can say, you know, view it at 9600 baud or 14.4, or whatever you want to do. It's not perfect. There's a a bug in the software itself, in the ANSI viewer, that it's some ANSI's that are 80 character width um, it doesn't do a line break right, and it will screw up the whole ANSI. So uh, the problem with PI Ants is if you put a 1,000 ANSI's in the folder, which you can do, and it it displays them in random order. Um, but when you find one that, that doesn't display right, it, it can be uh, difficult to go in and find which one that was to remove. But, uh, but I got that set up over in the retro corner too. And it's, man, I just love... Um, like everybody else right now, I'm sure a lot of you guys are working from home. Uh, I do Zoom meetings a lot during the day. I do Microsoft Teams meetings, and I've got my camcorder hooked up. And My camcorder? <laughs> yes, I have a giant Sony beta camcorder. No, I have a, uh, the little webcam. But I wanted to get the retro corner in the back corner of the shot. And so uh, over the past few days, uh, I turn everything on before I start work. So I turn on. Actually, what I've been doing is I'll load a demo on the Amiga, and then I'll load some demo on the C64, and then I'll have ants going, and then uh, as I do video chats throughout the day, people can, they're far enough away that it's hard to make out the details, but you can see that there's all those monitors and things uh, uh, running over there, so I'm kind of enjoying that. By the way, as I'm talking, uh, in the background, right outside the window, I can hear a cricket, and I don't know if that's going to pick up on this episode or not. If it does, I just apologize. I don't know that there's anything I can do about crickets outside, but um, well, that'll be interesting, so anyway, uh, I rambled on a little bit too much, I I added a lot of stuff here on the uh, uh, list, but um, if you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hare at RobOHare.com, join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RobCast, follow me on Twitter at Commodore, or leave me a message on the podcast hotline, which is 405- 486YDKF. And once again thank you to everyone who bought me a virtual drink. You can find the link to do that if you're inclined to do so on podcast.rubblehair.com. I am compiling that money into building a podcast recording booth. I saw some plans online that involve moving blankets and PVC pipes, and I've put together a plan that I really like. So that's what the, mo- the money is going towards right now. So uh, anyway, thank you uh, very much to those of you who donated to support the show. Uh, I now have the cables run for my Commodore 64 up here to this new monitor. So we could get started with this week's show, which is all about televisions. I was born in 1973, and so for the first five years of my life, I lived in a town called Bethany, Oklahoma. And in that house, the first television that I remember we owned was this Big console television that sat in our living room. I believe it was Sears brand. That would make sense because my mom uh, worked at a place. Both of my parents worked at places that got SNH green stamps. I don't know if you remember green stamps. You have to be pretty old. I don't really remember them. Uh, just vaguely remember my parents talking about them. But they got green stamps. And you could use them towards purchases at different places. And I believe Sears was one of the places I looked online and I believe I found a TV that was pretty close to the one we owned, and it has a 25-inch tube. Again, this is a big wooden television that was probably, gosh, I don't know, three foot tall. It's flat on top, you know, with the the tube in the middle. On the left and right hand sides of the tube are this gold. Pattern, uh, almost like a, a me- not a mesh, not not like speaker grill, but this pattern that kind of went over the mesh that hid uh, where the speakers were. This is the TV that we owned. In 1977, when we got our Pong clone. So this would have been the television that I first played Pong on. Uh, When we moved to the new house, uh, which was in Sun Valley, the Sun Valley house. And that's the house I lived in from the age of five until after I graduated high school. Uh, But this TV went with us. So this was the, the first TV that we had at the new house. So this was definitely the house Where we got Atari 1978, and this was the TV um, that I played Atari on. This was the TV that I played uh, Odyssey. We had an Odyssey 2 before the Atari. We um, owned the Odyssey 2 first. Um, So, again, at the new house, this TV, um, you know, it was like pushed up against this one wall and all the way on the other side of of the room. Uh, against the opposite wall was the couch and and uh, and my dad's recliner. Uh, this is the TV that we owned when we got our first VCR camera combo, which was in 1978. I've talked about this before on the show. It was a, a VCR that did not do. Um, it was the the first year, I believe, that they offered um, LP which is four hours to a tape. So the year before VCRs would only do two hours and then ours would do two hours slash four hours. So we got the VCR and a black and white camera that connected to the VCR. And the two of them combined were a thousand dollars and the camera itself did not have any, um, recording capabilities. I mean, the camera just connected to the VCR with a long cable, and then you had to record, you know, on on the VCR itself. Um, but that is the earliest TV that I remember. I'm sure that's the TV that my parents owned when I was born, and we had that TV for um, uh, you know several years, probably till I was, uh, gosh, I don't know. For quite a while. I mean, definitely, you know, through a a big chunk of uh, elementary school. Now, the next TV I remember getting was a 19-inch color television. And uh, my dad bought this for my mom for Christmas. I don't remember what year it was. Uh, It would have been early 80s, sometimes in the early 80s. What I do remember is that for Christmas, he gift-wrapped the television remote control. This is the first TV that we had that had a remote control. So I I definitely remember that. And then he hid the TV in the kitchen. He put it under uh, the computer desk and just left it in the box. So he didn't wrap the television. But as my mom was opening her gifts, the last gift he gave her, she opened this small box and it had the remote control uh, to the television. Uh the, the one thing i remember about that tv was that the buttons on the right i don't know the term for it but they they didn't press in they were almost like a uh like a smartphone screen where they just sensed your finger i mean so they were buttons they were individual buttons but they didn't press in it's just when you touched them and so you could take your finger and just flick them all the way down and it would go and flip through, <laughs> uh, every channel. And so that television went into my parents' bedroom. And so we officially became a two television family, which, uh, I don't know if that was a big deal in the early eighties. I think people started getting them, um, uh, televisions, you know, um, but, uh, but that was, that was when we officially owned our second television. Now we had a third television, which was a 10 inch black and white television in our kitchen in between our kitchen and our dining room there was a bar uh not an island but a bar because it was attached to one side and my dad had got this small black and white tv that he put it in there um now one of the things that you have to know about my dad's dining room the kitchen and dining room in the house and the house he still lives in uh, is that they put up this wallpaper in the kitchen and dining room that almost looks metallic. It's kind of shiny, and it does have, I believe, copper in the wallpaper. It's very shiny and metallic, and it's uh, the the background is silver, and then there are trees and woods printed on it in kind of a copper color. So it's a, a copper and silver two-tone thing. Um, uh, he just changed it out literally like... A year or two ago, like it was just starting to fall off. So, after, oh my gosh, from 1978 until 2018, 88, 98, 2008, 2018, so 40 years the same wallpaper uh, until the glue literally just gave out and it started falling off the walls and uh, they replaced it. But um, uh, the interesting thing, thing about it is when you looked at the pattern, it didn't really make sense. And it was because the people that built the house hung the wallpaper upside down. So if you looked at it, if you turned your head and looked at it upside down, you went, oh, yeah, I see it's trees and and weeds and, and little things like that. But when you looked at it just in the kitchen, it just looked like this kind of weird abstract pattern. Now, the thing about that wallpaper, and the reason I mention it is because that uh, turned that room into, what's the term, a Faraday's cage? Like, it (laughs) was impossible to get radio signals in there. Uh, And so we had this TV, this little TV, with a giant antenna hooked to it, like one or two antenna for uh, regular television, and then a big bow tie antenna for UHF channels. And still... It was always a little fuzzy, and so finally, my parents said they were just going to get rid of that TV, and I could have it in my bedroom. So I moved that 10-inch black-and-white TV into my bedroom, and that was the first television that I ever owned myself. I mean, I guess you could say I owned it, and I was probably eight years old, seven or eight years old when I got that. Uh This is... Before cable, we did not have cable. Um, actually, before we had cable, we had a satellite dish, so but it was before all that. So, uh, the channels that I grew up with were four, five, and nine, which was NBC, ABC, and CBS, and then you had 13 and 14. 13 was OETA, which was like you know, public television, Sesame Street, all that, and 14 was like uh a locally owned it was the um uh Christian broadcast something it was just religious programming and then there were three UHF channels 25 34 and 43 um 25 was KOKH uh channel 25 I looked it up it said that uh uh they were founded in 1959 and um, they turned to general entertainment in October of 1979. So we still get, uh, now it's Fox 25, but it's the same, same channel. Uh, channel 34 uh was KGMC and it has since changed to KOBC but it uh started in November of 1979 and then we had channel 43 the latecomer which was KAUT channel 43 and that was in September of 1980 so uh that that was when we got those UHF channels it's in uh the late uh, uh late 70s early 80s so uh, I watched it. I watched all that stuff in the bedroom, all the time. I feel like um, Channel Thirty Four was the one that always had cartoons. So like after school, Channel Twenty Five was the one that would have um, Welcome Back, Cotter, and um, maybe Happy Days reruns. Um, what else was on there? Good Times was always on Twenty Five. Channel Thirty Four was like He Man, GI Joe. Uh, All your good cartoons were on Channel 34. The Muppet Show was on Channel 34. Um, And then I don't really remember anything about Channel 43. I do remember that Channel 25 uh, used to, in the summer, they would show kung fu movies and uh, 3D horror movies. And I would always get the glasses, and then uh, I had a black and white TV, so I'm not sure that the the 3D effect worked very well for me. But I, I would watch them anyway. It didn't matter. Um, so I had this little black and white TV and in my bedroom, we had this console TV and then, uh, some point in late elementary school, I'm going to say this is probably 83, possibly 84, somewhere around that time. Uh, we got a big screen television. It was a rear projection television. So you've seen them, they big giant. I mean it was the size of two refrigerators. This was a Mitsubishi 60-inch rear projection television. It had a, a wood cabinet all the way around and then it had doors that folded around, they were hinged doors, so they would completely cover the front. Um, so if you weren't watching television, it looked like a big armoire. But then when it was time for the main event, for the big TV, you would fold those things over and, and open them up all the way. Uh, and then again, there was this, the big, you know flat area. Like I guess back before we had flat screen TVs, the top of your TV was where you stored a lot of stuff, you know? So on top of ours, I just found this picture and uh, I just shared it with some friends, but it's me doing this crazy karate stance in front of the TV and the TV is closed. But behind me, you can see the uh, two units that controlled our satellite TV. Uh, You can see in the middle, an audio switch box, because my dad had the audio where it could also go through our home stereo. My dad, you know, he, he's where I get a lot of my technical uh, interest from. You know, he, he was high tech uh, in his age, too, or in his day. Uh, and then on the right-hand side, you can see uh, another VCR that we own. Not that original one, but a, a second one. Um, I have a very specific memory tied to this television, and it was... Uh, we went to Whitewater, which is our local uh, water theme park, and we came home and my dad had purchased remote control joysticks for the Atari 2600. I know you've seen the ones, they're big giant bass and they have the antenna that came out, you know, and uh, this was right around the time that the movie Firefox Came out on HBO And uh, uh, well Firefox Was a movie but I remember it, it Moved to HBO and we Had watched Firefox and right After that we turned on the Atari And I was playing River Raid and which where you fly an airplane through a canyon which is also something that happens in firefox and i remember i was all the way across the living room with those wireless joysticks and this 60-inch television and i thought it's just like being in the movie <laughs> it's amazing of course now you can imagine like playing river raid does not (laughs) look like a movie and just being on a bigger screen doesn't make it look better probably made it look worse but uh but that's that memory i have of that tv it was just uh you know playing with those atari wireless joysticks and being able to sit all the way across the room with them and, and just thinking that was so neat uh so in my bedroom at that time i still had that little black and white television and then this was um Around seventh grade, I would say, uh, so this is probably 1985, and I got my Commodore set up, and I had a uh, Amdek color computer monitor for my Commodore, uh, but it was just a monitor, it wasn't a, a TV, and for Christmas that year, I got an add-on. TV tuner. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these, but it was a separate little box. I still see them from time to time in thrift stores to this day. It was a separate box that sat over to the side. It had RCA outs, so you hooked the RCA cables in like to your monitor or something, right? And um, then there were all these little buttons for each channel, so you pressed it down so like you could have you know, channel 4, 5, 9, whatever. And then if you flipped open the little top of the deck, there were little tiny dials. And you had to literally tune these dials to get the right frequency because they sold these nationally, right? So it wasn't like everybody had a channel four or channel five. You might have channel seven or something. So you had to adjust these dials to tune in your channels. And then it came with a little sheet of stickers so you could stick whatever channel was on the button. And so you'd have four, five, nine. Uh, But it also had a thing where you could switch it back and forth between your other input. It had RCA input. So I had my Commodore... Uh, running into the inputs, and then I had the outputs running to the the um, monitor. So if I flip the, the switch box to the left, I could play my computer and play games or whatever, and then if I switch it over to the right, I could watch television. So if I started downloading a game, I could flip over and watch cartoons, watch me some He-Man or whatever, and then uh, flip back over, and it would go back to the uh, other input, the computer input. So um, I remember... The thing about that tuner, the thing I remember is that that planted this little seed in my head that came back many years later, which is that televisions and monitors were not that different, uh... And if you think about it, obviously, the only difference is that a television has a, a tuner. And, and a lot of modern televisions don't even have tuners anymore. I have a, a new TV that doesn't have a tuner. You have to run some other input to it from a cable box or whatever. Um, but, you know, in the early days, the early computer days, like, you know, when we had our TRS-80, I wouldn't think of that as being like a television. It had a built-in monitor, you know. Um, same thing for our Apple. Our Apple... Uh, for the first year we owned it had a amber monitor. So you wouldn't watch TV. I never thought of it as being like a TV. I mean, it kind of looked like a TV, but I didn't think of them as being interchangeable. But once I got that little tuner box, you know, I realized, wow, this, this is 99% the same as a TV. It just doesn't have the ability to, to capture those, those incoming, um, uh, broadcasts, you know, and so that box did that. Um, Anyway, uh, we had that big screen TV for several years in our living room. Uh, it started off where we just watched television, like antenna broadcast television on it. Uh, then my dad added a antenna to the roof, which somehow gave us access to HBO. Uh, I've told the story before, but in uh, 1981. So we had HBO for several years. And then one morning we woke up, and HBO was gone, and it had been replaced with MTV. So for whatever reason, it, it was broadcast on the same frequency, but our TV lost HBO, and we gained MTV. And then um, after that, we got the satellite, and we had the satellite for several years, and then we finally got cable, um, which uh, did not have that many channels in the early days. I mean, our first cable was the... Uh, the old school cable box with the dial that turned like I think we had thirty something channels. You know, it wasn't that many? It wasn't like today where you know we watch channel eight hundred or whatever all the time. So, um, so I had my little monitor switch box set up, but eventually I wanted a separate TV. And for Christmas one year, this is probably ninth grade, so this is eighty seven maybe. Uh, I got. A 13-inch color television. This was a Sylvania color TV, a 13-inch, and the same year I got a VCP. Now, if you've never heard of a VCP, I know you've heard of a VCR, but VCR—the R is recording, right? Well, a VCP is only a player, <laughs> video cassette player. Uh, these were really popular. People would put these in their cars, like in vans and stuff. You would put a VCP. Uh, I don't, it must be cheaper to to manufacture somehow it doesn't seem like the difference between recording and playing would be that much different but i guess it is um but i got a vcp so i could not record anything (laughs) in my room but i could watch tapes. so i recorded lots of tapes i i recorded um headbangers ball i recorded all these you know movies and stuff off of tv and and hbo and showtime and then i would watch these tapes in my bedroom on my little um, uh, VCP. Now, this was around the same time that I met my buddy Jeff, and he and I became friends. And he asked me why I didn't have cable in my room. And I was like, I don't know, there's there's no cable outlet. Now, remember, we are in ninth or 10th grade. And Jeff says, oh, all you got to do is, is split off the cable and all this. And I was like, huh? And so uh, one, I don't know where my parents were. They'd gone to the store or something. And Jeff and I went to Radio Shack. We bought um, 50 or 100 foot of coax cable that had ends on it, and he went up in the attic and uh, found where the little junction box was that split off the cable. Actually, there was a junction box behind my parents and uh, the living room, behind the TV. And so he ran the cable down there, and, and there was already a hole. We poked it through, and then he ran it through the attic and down. And we had put a little hole in my wall and ended. And so, I mean, my buddy Jeff basically ran cable to my bedroom. It was amazing to me that we could just split it off. And, and my parents, I mean, it wasn't a secret, but they didn't know. And you know, one day they came in my room and they are like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I got cable now. And they were like, oh, okay. Um, but I, I want to talk about this TV because I got this TV again in ninth grade, 1987. I had that TV all through high school, uh, which I graduated in 91. I had that TV through college. I took that TV with me to my first apartment. So actually in my first apartment, That was the only TV that we owned. And I lived there for a while by myself. Then my buddy Andy moved in. And I had this uh, uh, hideaway couch. And one day we pulled the couch out. And this is a story. Actually, this story is um, in the first or second digital press guide. They were putting out guides and they were asking for um, video game-related stories. And I put this in and it got published. Um, When we pulled out the hideaway bed the bar that goes on the ground landed on the remote for my television and broke the remote in half. I mean, it was like a taco. It just went crunch and folded in half and broke. Now, Jeff was always good at electronics and he was good at soldering and stuff, but this mother, I mean, the board inside there was literally broken in half. And so he put some wires and we tried to do some stuff and a few buttons worked, but it just, it was, it was gone, you know? So when you turned this television on, it would display very largely in the center of the television, what channel you were on. Like it would say channel three and a giant big three or four or five or whatever. Um, but if you set all your channels, it would go through and it would find what channels had signal and then they would all get set. But the only way to do that was through the remote. So the first time I unplugged the TV and plugged it back in after the remote was gone, there was no way to undo that. So the entire rest of the time I owned that television, the middle part of the screen had a giant number in it. So when my friends came over to my apartment uh, I also had an NES, and we would play Nintendo. We would play Super Mario Brothers three. We played that all the time. And there's a mini game in there where if you land on the same square as your opponent, uh, it takes you into the original Mario Brothers. Uh, So we would do that. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, in the middle of my TV was a giant three. (laughs) So you would hide behind the three. So you would find where you were going and you would just hide there. And then you couldn't see each other (laughs) because we're hiding behind this number on the TV. And then eventually you would run and try to find the other guy or whatever. But that was uh, probably not something the programmers ever considered was that uh, I would be playing on a TV that had a giant number. But, you know, after a while, your brain tunes things out. And and so we just watch TV. They would come over and we would watch Tuesday Night Fights was our big thing. They would come over and uh, we would watch boxing. And, you know, I think it was on it was on TBS or whatever it was. And it was I think it was Channel 17. But the whole time we watched it, there would be a giant 17. And after a while, you just, you know, you kind of tuned it out. I had that TV um, when I moved away to go to college. I brought that TV back. I took that TV with me to Spokane, Washington in 1996. I brought it back home with me in 1998. Um, I had that television until 2011. That's how long I kept it. Now, there's a funny story that after my wife and I got married – a couple of years after we were married, so this was probably 96, 97, she bought a remote for the TV. The remote cost $60. And for some reason, this stupid Sylvania television would not work with a universal remote. We tried all the universal remotes, we tried everything, it wouldn't work. So my wife bought me this TV or this remote and it worked. And we used to always joke about, um, if we ever got divorced, that she would keep the remote (laughs) and I would keep the television, which I would argue. I was like, Hey, the remote was a gift. They're a pair, you know, but, but she would say, no, she was taking the remote with her. So, uh, I donated that. I have a picture and I donated that television to Goodwill in 2011 and uh so that's how I, I had that tv from 1987 until 2011 now when i moved in with my wife i did bring in that tv but she also had a tv she had this um 19 inch tv and so that was our our living room tv that we used so i had that in the living room for a while and i had this 13 inch one uh in my bedroom so fast forward a little bit until we bought our first house together. And this was after we moved. This is not the El Reno house. This is the first real house, uh, which was in 1998. And, and my buddy Jeff and I, we, we you know, we've been friends forever and we kind of have this playful uh, rivalry. And, uh, right before we bought our house, he put a bid down on a house. And so we we had, um, actually, I think we had put ours down first. And my house was like 1,700 square foot, something like that. And I told him, I was like, oh, we're getting a house. And he was like, oh, oh, that's so great, you know. And then he bought a house and he was like, by the way, my house is 1,850 square foot. And I was like, oh. And I went over to see his house. And, and I was not jealous. You know, it was, it, this is us playful rivalry, right? Um, but I, I went over and uh, he had just set up his entertainment center. And I was like, oh, man, what size TV is that? And he's like, oh, it's a 32-inch tube TV. And I was like, oh, Wow. Uh, the next weekend, I went to Sight and Sound. It was the only place I could find one. And I bought a 35 inch <laughs> RCA CRT television. So this is in 1998. I bought a 35 inch TV. Uh, I, th- well, I have no idea how much this thing weighed. 200 pounds? I mean, it was the heaviest. I mean, that is the heaviest TV I've ever owned for sure. Um, Sight and Sound is one of those places where you rent uh, things. You know, you pay it off. They really don't want you to buy stuff because they don't make any money, but I did buy it. It was $600 and uh, I paid for it. And I took it home. Uh, I had that TV for a long time. Um, you know, what happened is uh the the coax connection on the back died. And I don't know if the The inside of of it just came loose. Like, I don't know what happened, but the coax connection quit working. And so to get around that, I I ran my coax for my cable into a VCR, and then I ran RCA outs uh, out of the VCR into the TV, and that worked. But the downside was on the bottom right-hand side of the TV, uh, when you turn the VCR off or something, it would just say unusable signal. Uh, I don't know why it said that, but in blue letters it said unusable signal. And uh, so we would always turn off the, the VCR when we were going to bed or something, but we never turned the TV off. So it always said unusable signal down there. Well, if you're familiar with old TVs and TVs, you probably know what happened, but that got burned into the TV. So even when you did turn the TV off, it would just say unusable signal. <laughs> it always said that uh, down there. I used to... Tell people, I wish this TV would die. It would not die. And when my other friends started getting flat screen TVs and stuff, this thing was still going. Like I just couldn't get it to die. Um, it was. Uh, I had this TV, this thirty five inch CRT television. I had this when I got the PlayStation three, and I remember hooking up the PS three uh, through the RCA because you use RCA ends on the VCR <laughs> and then RCA out from the VCR into the television. And, uh, I don't remember what game it was. Uh, there was one racing game and there was something else, but there would be text on the screen and I couldn't read it because, you know, obviously it was designed with, uh, you know, HDMI or, you know, I mean, some sort of high def video. And so with, with um, composite video, you just couldn't read anything. So, uh, eventually it, that TV started going out that the video started wobbling a, a little bit and stuff. And so, uh, I took it out to the curb, uh, I carried it out to the curb, and then I was going to take the TV stand. It was on uh, a few minutes later, and so I went back in the house to get the TV stand, and when I came back, I saw three kids had loaded it onto a red wagon, and were hauling it off, so good for them. I hope uh, I hope they got some use for it. Um now in the next house and this was the house where I had the upstairs uh, game room. I kind of had this little game area, you know, not unlike what I have today. I had some consoles, I had my Nintendo 64 and my PlayStation and my Dreamcast. And my dad bought me um a 24-inch Apex TV. Now, these were marketed as, they called them flat screens, but it's still a CRT. It's a big, giant, heavy television, but the actual tube is flat. It's not curved. And these were um, really good for gaming. And uh, uh, I used that TV. Oh, man, I loved that TV. And um, I don't, I'll i talk more about that TV at the end of the episode, but I still have that TV. I love that TV to death. It has uh, all the normal inputs on the back It has coax it has this video uh, and RCA ends on the back and plus it has RCA inputs on the front which was really nice when I was in that plug and play phase and buying all those plug and play joysticks you could plug those right into the front of the TV so that that was uh, uh, pretty cool. Now I actually replaced that TV upstairs with a projector. Uh, I bought a Toshiba projector and I paid a thousand dollars for it And I remember about a month after I bought it, a friend asked me, oh, is it one that does HDMI? And I said, no, they don't have HDMI projectors. And he goes, sure they do. And I went and looked, and um, uh, the price of that projector had dropped to like $600. (laughs) And the HDMI ones were exactly what I had paid for that one uh, only a few weeks prior. But I used it anyway, and I loved it. Uh, That projector had... um, composite inputs, I don't think it had component inputs, but it did have uh, S-Video, and it would do PAL or NTSC, which was, I think, the first video anything I owned. I don't think I had a TV before that that would do PAL. And so uh, I could hook up, uh, like I had an Amiga a CD32 that uh, all the games were PAL, and I could play it through the projector, and they would actually display properly without having part of the screen cut off. So... Um, I bought, uh, one of those screens that pulls down like a spring loaded <laughs> screen or whatever. Um, it was really good for watching movies. It was okay for playing games. Uh, it was, it was not as bright as modern projectors, you know, but, uh, uh, it was still fun. And, um, you know, I, I think the cool thing about that at the time was, uh, like having a projector in your house seemed really, uh, uh, I don't know cutting edge or whatever it was just fun to play pac-man on a giant wall or whatever it was kind of cool um downstairs you know when that crt died i ended up buying a sony bravia 55 inch flat screen and um actually my entertainment center was uh was not big enough. So I, I basically took the whole top hutch off the entertainment center, threw it away and just kept the bottom part and put that flat screen television on there. But man, and I still have that TV uh, and, and I'm getting to that, but uh, yeah, that TV, man, I, I really like that TV. The only downside to that TV was, man, this is going to get into a specific and I'm probably going to get this wrong. But uh, if you run, So I had a tuner – gosh, I'm trying to remember what the deal was. Basically what it was is if you ran uh, digital video into the TV, you couldn't get the audio out because – sony not because it it wasn't impossible, but because Sony disabled it as a form of copy protection. So I think you could get – so I could get analog out, but I couldn't get digital audio back out of the television. Um, And my tuner at the time didn't have enough inputs – It didn't have HDMI input. So, uh, long story short, if I ran like my cable box into the TV, I could only do RCA out, analog out for audio out. I couldn't run uh, like a fiber audio out, which is what I wanted to do to my tuner. So, and I looked it up online. I was like, why is this not working? And eventually, I found these forms and they're like Sony disabled it so that people couldn't pirate audio or it was a stupid thing. It really, really made me mad. Sony has made me really upset with some of their copy protection uh, and DRM schemes over the years. Um, but that TV looks beautiful. and I still own it. Um, so at the old house, I just kept buying TVs. You know, at the last house, at the big house. You know, that was the the house I talked about. Uh, that had the three living spaces, and we had all these bedrooms, and I just had all these TVs, you know. And um, so I guess, you know, there's something to be said. Uh, My my wife and I uh, joke with my dad where a lot of times he will say, oh, this should cost whatever, and the price he throws out is what that thing would have cost in the 70s. Like, he thinks, you know, you could get – you should be able to get a cheeseburger or a drink and fries at McDonald's for a buck, you know? Um, and now in a lot of places, you can't even get a combo for $5, you know? Uh, and so, you know, we joke with him about that, but I'm kind of the same way. I'm very much the same way. Um, and not only is it that I'm locked into prices, but I'm locked into values. And so about two years ago, my friend, uh, Justin... Said he had a flat screen TV that he no longer needed. Now I only sort of needed this TV. Um, I mean, I I had TVs or whatever, but this was a bigger TV. It was a forty six inch TV, and he literally said, uh, if I would come get it, uh, he would give it to me for free. And so uh, this is, um, you know, I I say that I get the. Um, uh, my love of, of tech and computers and electronics from my dad. I get the collecting, uh, the garage sailing, the thrifting and the collecting. I get that from my mom. And so I didn't have an immediate need for this TV, but I was like, Oh, free TV. I definitely want it. And so I met this guy and I got this 46 inch TV And I got to tell you, I felt like I hit the jackpot. Now, the reason he was getting rid of it was because it didn't do 4K. He had just upgraded to 4K. This one only was 1080p, which only a lot of my TVs are only 1080p. Um, But uh, I just remember like feeling like he had given me – like I had won the jackpot. Like he had just given me something that was worth $1,000. And now it's funny because – In regards to TV, I'm on the opposite side of that fence. Uh, And so I I will transition into that. Now, I told you in the last episode that we moved and we downsized slash right-sized, however you want to put that right. Uh, But as we moved, I put – I didn't know what TV I wanted to put where, right? And so everywhere – I was like – we had one bedroom. I was like, put all the TVs in this bedroom, but then some of the TVs – ended up in the garage too, right? So I just ended up with a couple of collections of flat screen TVs. And once everybody got moved into their rooms and got furniture set up and all this, then we slowly started doling out TVs uh, to locations where they made sense. And so um, uh, both of my kids have large flat screen TVs uh, in their bedrooms. Uh, My my son still has the, no, my daughter has the the 46 inch that I got from Justin. And my son has a 42 inch. uh, But even though it's smaller, it's a much newer and much thinner television and it fits in his room and he loves it. Uh, So they each have TVs. I have a 32-inch TV in my bedroom that literally never gets turned on. I hooked up a Roku to it. I also hooked up uh, a cable box to it. It literally never, ever gets turned on. Uh, I bought that TV because a friend of mine gave me a really nice piece of antique wooden furniture. And uh, and when I say antique, I, I mean, it's not antique. <laughs> It's made to look antique. It has like cast iron legs and it's solid wood. It's it's really nice. But I had to measure how big of a TV it would hold. And the answer was 32 inch TV. And so I went and bought a 32 inch TV, literally just to go inside this furniture because I love the cabinet so much. Um. Out in the movie room, where I am now, where I'm recording, in the lobby of the movie room, is where that Sony 55-inch TV ended up. And that is, uh, I have the PS3, PS4, the Wii is hooked up to it, and then I have a Raspberry Pi uh, hooked up to it, uh, you know, uh, with Pi-Cade or whatever. So it's got all, or emulation station, I think, is what it is, um, with all the, the emulators and stuff like that. So that's hooked up there. And in my living room, is my 70-inch Apex television. Now, I I should tell you this little story that goes with this. Um at the old house, uh my wife in our living room, the the walls in that house were just uh this tan color. Every wall was the same beige kind of color. And my wife decided she wanted a I think it's called a focal wall or focus wall, I think a focal wall in the living room. And so one day she said I want everything off that wall. I'm going to paint this wall blue. And I said, "I'll make you a deal. You can paint one wall blue. I get to put a TV on the wall because I had never mounted a TV to the wall before." And she said, "Okay." So she painted that whole wall blue, and I went and I bought a 70-inch TV, <laughs> which was gigantic, and um, bought the wall mounts. I bought it from Sam's, and I came home and and we mounted it to the wall. And, uh, uh, I love that TV and that TV came over to this house and now it's mounted to the wall of my living room, uh, in this house. So that's most of my TVs. However, uh, I needed a TV for the movie room and, and, uh, I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but, uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go projector or TV and I, and I went back and forth and so I ended up buying a 86 inch LG TV and man, and it's 4k of course. Man, does it look good. I do not regret that decision at all. It is a gigantic television. Um, and it just looks absolutely gorgeous. We watch, um, 4K stuff on it all the time. It just looks really, really beautiful. And, and, um, Mason has been coming out and hooking up his Nintendo Switch to the TV and having friends over to play Switch. And it just, it looks, uh, uh, really beautiful. Uh, I I did get a comment on Twitter, uh, Last week, from the last episode, where someone asked me if, um, I had air conditioner out in the movie room and the movie room lobby, which I didn't mention. So I do, um, uh, I have two window units, one for each room, and they are, uh, I guess they're they're called air conditioners, but they're climate controlled, so they are heaters or air conditioners. Uh, I turn them off when I'm recording the podcast, but uh, um, but we we uh, let those run. And I also didn't talk about it, but I do have a security system out here. So uh, if you're planning to come out when I'm not home and and uh, play some PlayStation or raid the fridge, you should probably know. <laughs> There is an alarm system. So anyway, those are all the TVs, right? You've got one's in the bedrooms, one in all three bedrooms. I've got one out in the movie room and one in the lobby. Um, But I now have extra televisions because I downsized, right? And so I have a 46 inch Scepter television. This was the first flat screen I ever bought. And it is heavy. You can, one person could carry it, but it's much easier two. um, I have tried, I put it on Facebook for $50, which I thought it would go in a heartbeat. Nobody has got it. And I haven't done Facebook marketplace yet. I, I guess that's the next step, but I actually called like you know close personal friends and uh, family and tried to give it away and none of them want it you know they're all the same place as I am that they have as many TVs as they need and that's it so uh so I have this 46 inch TV that is excess plus I still have that 24 inch CRT television the Apex TV Man, I'm at a loss. I am at a loss with that TV because I don't want to get rid of it. I love that TV and I love the idea of a CRT TV for retro gaming and stuff. But the reality is I don't have a place for it, and I don't know what to do. I don't want to ditch it because I know that I'll never find another one uh like that, you know, and especially not in that condition. I mean that, that TV has just not been used that much. But I don't know what to do with it. So right now it's sitting right in the middle of my computer room, literally dead center in the room, uh, waiting for me to figure out uh, something to do with it. So before I tell you this final story, I want you to go into it knowing that I already own two televisions that I don't know what to do with. Um, Around, I want to say this is around the beginning of May. This was when, people started going back out of their houses. We had been stuck inside for a couple months and people started saying, you know, if you go outside, if you do things that are outside and you socially distance, and maybe you wear a mask, uh, you could start doing outdoor things. And around that time, we started seeing garage sales uh, being advertised. And I miss garage sales so much. I love going and looking through other people's junk. And I imagine, that their junk could be my junk. And, and, um, uh, or, you know, I, I just like digging and I've really missed that this year. And, uh, so we went to this garage sale and, uh, it was, uh, this, uh, kind of a a short, uh, Hispanic woman. Her husband was there. He was like more, it's funny because, uh, when I go to garage sales, there are, I guess, two areas. There's like the home crafty kind of stuff, which is also usually where DVDs and things are. And then there's always the man section, right? With yard tools and rakes and shovels and rototillers and lawnmowers and whatever is in that part of the garage sale. And when I walk up to garage sales, I always see like the man kind of go towards the tool, and then I make a beeline to the used books (laughs) and the DVDs. I'm not the stereotypical dude, I guess, that goes to garage sales. So I I walked up to the garage sale, and there's this uh, nice Hispanic woman, and we're just kind of chit-chatting about how it's nice to be able to get outside again and, and go to garage sales. And uh, there really wasn't anything there that I wanted. And I there, there wasn't anything that I needed. It was just really the the thought of stopping at a garage sale. And um, as I turned to leave, I see this giant, I say giant, a large flat screen television. I look and it's a 32-inch television. Right next to it is a 24-inch uh, flat screen television. And so I asked the lady, I'm like, hey, how much is the television? And she goes, "Ah." Uh, And I go, $5? In my head, this is where it goes back to the other story. In my head, I'm like, God, this TV's got to be worth $500, which I know it's not, but... Um, but I'm staring at it. I'm like, I can get a flat screen for $5 and my brain starts running through all the scenarios. Like I could put it in my car. I could, <laughs> I could mount it over my bed. I could put it, you know, in the back of the fridge, like all these things I could do with a TV that I will never do. But I'm like, when I, when it's a $5 TV, who cares? Right. Um, and then there's the TV next to it, which is a 24 inch. And I look at it, and the back of it has like three sets of RCA inputs. And I know this was like when I was getting ready to set up my little retro gaming corner. Like, this would be perfect for hooking up video game stuff, you know, older systems. And so now I'm in this dilemma. I'm like, do I want the 32-inch? Do I want the 24-inch? And I'm looking back and forth, you know. And uh, I said, I asked the lady, I said, did you say $5? And she goes, yes, $5. <laughs> I go, sold. <laughs> and I pull out $5. I walk over to the lady. I just give her the $5. bucks. i am like, right, yeah, I'll take them. I have no idea what I'm going to do with them at this point, right? And so my wife comes up. And I work with one of my good friends. His name is Tim. And my wife comes up. She's like, you ready to go? I was like, hey, I just bought these TVs. And she goes, you don't need those TVs. And I go, I know, but it was $5 for, you know, for both. And she goes, just take one. You don't need two. And I go, well, one of them's for Tim. He needs one. And so she goes, okay. And she picks up the TV. Now, my friend Tim uh, has very nice, he owns nice things. Uh, He does not need this junky TV from a garage sale. And so as we get to the car, it dawns on my wife that this is not for Tim. And she says, why would Tim want this TV? And I said, I, I, he has no, he doesn't want this TV. I was like, that was just what came out of my mouth. (laughs) That was the only thing I could think of to get you to carry this television. (laughs) So she was not super happy, but, um, but we did bring the televisions home. Uh, I put the 32 inch television in my workshop. And I've since moved it to the lobby. I have What I want to use it for is to show movie trailers. So um, when we're getting ready for movie night and stuff, I want to turn it on and have it streaming trailers and stuff. I think that would be cool. Uh, and I do want to use that smaller one in my game room. Now, this is the funny thing about the smaller one. And this is, I guess, history repeating itself. Um, it didn't come with a remote. And it would use a universal remote, but I don't have any, and so I was like, when I don't have something now, I just go on Amazon. I'm like, I'll just buy one. So I went on Amazon, and universal, the cheapest universal remote I could find was nine dollars, which is not a bad deal. Uh, You know, I think nine dollars for a brand new working remote—that's great what bothered me in my head is that i paid 250 for the television <laughs> half of 5 dollars so it bothers me a little bit that i spent 9 dollars on a remote for a 250 uh television but i did get the remote it works great um uh, but you know the, the funny thing about that story i guess and the more i think about it is seeing those TVs for sale for 5 dollars just triggered something in me um it was like oh this is a good deal and and they're worth money, you know, they're they're worth some amount of money. I don't know what they're worth, but they're worth more than $5. So it's it's a good deal. So the fact that I don't have a use for them or don't need them was completely irrelevant, you know. And the funny thing about that story is that's exactly how I am as a collector. Um, you know, I have so many things in my retro collection that I don't need I'm not using, but I saw them at some point or someone offered it to me, and I feel like they have value, and so I just picked it up, you know? And so that's where I am today, and that's a very difficult thing for me to do is to part with those things, and um, there's a part of my brain that that doesn't quite work right when I try to get rid of something, and I find out that it's not worth what I think it should be worth. And having people say, oh, man, those sell for $5 or $10, what in my head, I've been hanging on to something that I thought was worth $100. I mean, this is, you know, every episode of of, uh, um, American Pickers, right, (laughs) where these people have hoarded this stuff. I don't want to be that guy at 70 years old that has, you know, a whole warehouse full of stuff that's not worth anything. So, Um, but I did think it was funny that, uh, not funny, but perhaps telling that, even though I didn't have a need for those TVs, uh, there was just something in me that I was like, well, it's a good deal. I've got to get them, you know, uh, which explains a lot of the things I own. <laughs> so that seems like a good place to uh, uh, cut things off. So again, uh, thank you again for coming back. Thank you for listening. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. You can join the conversation over on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RobCast. You can follow me on Twitter at Commodore, or you can always leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And again, thank you to those of you uh, that donated. I super appreciate it. When I get uh, uh, my podcast booth all built up, I will definitely send out pictures. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of You Don't Know Flack, and I will talk to you next Friday.